welcome to Punta Vista episode 93. Uh, I am Andrew. I'm here coming at you from uh, a Victorian country town on a sunny Sunday morning. Uh, I guess daylight savings has just stopped being a thing uh, playing nature's greatest prank on my children who got up extra early. Which is really what you're after. <laughs> and I'm of course here with uh, Theo. Hi, Theo. Hello. How Usually we've it? got something like nice to say about the number of the episode, but 93, it just it just plain sucks. I think we need to get past this number as soon as we can. Mm, don't like <laughs> it. Don't care for it. It's not a, it's not a good number. There's nothing Folks. interesting about it. Uh, well, the song, the classic song, What is Love by Hathaway came out in 1993. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> okay, okay then. Uh, what about Mariah Carey's Dream Lover? <laughs> That's a great song. Come that is on. a good song. How are we? What's what's with the encyclopedic knowledge of pop songs released in the year 1993 specifically? Well, let's not get into it. Room Shake the Room, <laughs> DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Great track. And of course, we have with us uh, Lucy. Now, number one, hello, Lucy. Hi. Uh, number two, I think that Lucy might have to very suddenly leave at some point midway through this episode. Would you like to explain why that is the case? Uh, it's because we're in the trivia championships of Trivia Hawaii. <laughs> it's very is, exciting. Is this, is this uh, like... There's a thousand dollars. A thousand dollars up for grabs. Is this like the finals of all of the pubs in Hawaii that are doing trivia or just the one pub that you go to? No, there's like a league. So we've been playing like Ooh. four nights a week because we joined the season <laughs> six weeks in. So we played four nights a week for the past three weeks and we made the last spot in the finals and I'm very excited to completely lose at the end of it. Oh, it could be a come from behind victory though. Could be a, a wild be. story. We're the underdog story right now and it's only two of us. Everyone's got them six teams. That's Sick just boy. too much knowledge, but I think that's a disadvantage. That's just too many people opinions. to argue with you. Way yeah. too many opinions. Whereas you can just you can get it wrong a lot quicker. Yeah, and I'm I'm a <laughs> girlfriend, so I can be like I make uh, the decisions, am I right? The bloody husband's always wrong. Yeah, but then if it's wrong, you can also be like, Oh, uh, Sorry. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Just a girlfriend. Exactly. <laughs> also, I'm sorry about the large whippersnipper noise outside my house, which is, it's Saturday in Hawaii. It's just constant. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's gardening Saturday. all the time. Well, it's a very lush climate. It's very lush. Everyone needs to mow their lawn more than once a week. 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. A little more central. Um, so we thought we thought we might do a little little catch up on what's going on in the old world of Australian politics. Someone complained at us. They were like, "Hey, why are you guys just talking about what kind of porno you can get on VHS?" <laughs> I thought this show was all about <laughs> all about Australian politics, and we were like, "Oh yeah, shit, right? Oh yeah." Um, I think I think like sometimes we find it a little hard, a little hard to stay too tuned in when it's just it's so dumb, so dumb, so much of the time, you know. It's very dumb. It's not much fun either lately. Well, like we've we've kind of spoken about this before. There there really is um with I, I believe the the 85th parliament of Australia has just risen for whatever whatever break they're on the post budget break. Mm. Um with the expectation that like an election's going to be called soon. Um then the government will go into caretaker mode. And I feel like there's just been this um, overwhelming sensation of the 85th Parliament as led by uh, Prime Minister, I'm doing scare quotes that you can't Mm. hear on the microphone, Prime Minister Scott Morrison. There is just this air of inevitability that he is not going to continue to be the Prime Minister for very long. No. Um, the, The Liberal government has just been like a series of train wrecks and with every... Uh, with every by-election and every state election, they get worse and worse results. Um, the only, I think the only state election, maybe since, I could be totally wrong here, but maybe since um, Abbott got in, it seems like the only state election that hasn't turned Labour was New South Wales because they suck so I bad. I think so. That sounds right. Worst state. Yep. Oh, Terrible well, state. Actually, uh, we got a letter about this, if you, if you would like to Great. get into it. Please, let someone else provide the content. (laughs) Um, 
I'm trying to I'm trying to look at this letter, but Gmail is helpfully playing me a presentation about it being their fifteenth birthday. So thank you so much for that, Google. Um, now we did on a previous episode. We sort of talked about the New South Wales election, and I was saying. I think from the outside, people need to have a bit of perspective about A, how cooked New South Wales um, elections are in general, uh, New South Wales politics are, and also the, the Labor Party's really shit there, and even the Greens are really shit there, and it's just a big shit sandwich. Um, but we did get an, an irate letter from a friend of the show, um, Rowan Taylor, who writes, not usually the type to harangue someone over a bad take, but I cannot let your anti-New South Wales spray in the tribbing episode go unremarked. Uh, what was it called? Tribbing on a prayer? Tribbing on a prayer. I think it was a so bonus. You can, go, you can go back to that episode. Tribbing on a prayer. I get the need to bash New South Wales. I really do. And hell, it's largely deserved. But the most politically cooked? Sure, the New South Wales coalition government has done a bunch of things that make folks like us apoplectic. Uh, for example, lockout laws and banning virtually everything except for torturing greyhounds. But they came into power on a massive infrastructure platform and went all in. Everything is delayed as fucked, but that's kind of what happens with infrastructure. At the end of the day, I want a government to do shit, even if I hate it. it kind of sounds like you love them, Rowan. You know mm. what I'm saying? Mm. Um, not really. They are also kind of moderate compared with the standard for the coalition these days. One example being the energy minister actively calling out and embarrassing the climate denialists at the federal level late last year. Jeez, even David Maher agrees with me on this one. Why don't you marry David Maher if you... <laughs> <laughs> um, I could go on, but I actually don't really care because that's not even what I'm mad about. No, what has really motivated me to write in is the suggestion that New South Wales is worse than Queensland. All right. All right, Get fair it. enough. Mm-hmm. Get ready to defend Queensland, Theo. All right. <laughs> Queensland, a state entirely populated by parochial right-wing shitlords with minds addled by the oppressive humidity. A state that spawned the volcanically cooked Joe Bielke peterson Pauline Hanson, <laughs> Bob Catter, and Steve Dixon. How can you stoop lower than that? All right, I'll grant you that we have Mark Latham. But no, you must retract this take. I just can't deal. Cheerio, Rowan. Look... I mean, Rowan's got a lot of good points, and is he technically correct? Um, sure. Uh, but is he morally correct? No, and I'll tell you why. New South Wales is the state that contains the city of Sydney, the worst place on earth. Mm. Uh, I don't really know what else um, what I, can, I can say about it. Mm. Um, I will say I th- Brisbane versus Sydney is a clear... I mean, there's a clear loser there, and it's Sydney. Absolutely. Mm. Um, we've got the um and look sydney's got some great <laughs> stuff too <laughs> but um i really feel like this is some um Ooh. some real stockholm syndrome speaking from uh from rowan um thank you for the letter uh, you are correct uh and i will see you in hell yep and if there's one thing we know for sure it's that both the cities of brisbane um, well, the entire state of Queensland and the city of Sydney are both going to sink through the Earth's crust into the hell that is no doubt awaiting both of them below. And you guys can talk about it there. Straight to hell. Um, the rapture will come and take about one half of the people in Canberra. Uh, the news will take six days to arrive in Brisbane via coincidence. Uh how do you say that word, by the way? We need Ben on for this. Uh, he said it once, and I was like, that's a cool word. Don't remember it. Andrew, play the tapes back, if you could. All right, folks, we're just going to play back several hundred hours of the podcast until we get to this point. But look, you know, we're always ones to gracefully accept criticism, and we will take yours on the chin, Rowan. You're right, Queensland's disgusting. It gave us... Um, what's his name? Fucking George Christensen. Disgusting. Um, still giving us George Christensen. Oh, mm. Still, he's Disgusting, just still hanging sweaty in man. there. Mm. Yeah, Fraser Anning, Bob Carter, the whole deal. Um, Malcolm is Malcolm uh, Roberts a Queenslander? He is. Yes. Yeah, Malcolm Roberts. Just all the worst shit stains on the national discourse. Besides, say your um, your New South Wales politicians, like say <coughs> Tony Abbott. Um, Mark Latham. Mark Latham. Mm. Yep. A lot mm. of the Scott Morrison. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the worst ones. Although you you could definitely say that like those two groups are divided into two sort of um, separate but equal 
types of shit stain where the the type from Sydney are like the uh, lifelong careerist private school boy, um, you know, wealthy elite uh, mm-hmm. born to rule. And this goes for both the Labor and the Liberal parties. Um, these are all people who have, you know, come from the University of Sydney and all the boys club shit and the, the university politics and people whose brains have been absolutely nuked on this stuff for decades. Um, so they're kind of awful people because a lot of the very awful things that they are doing, they're doing very deliberately. They're very aware of how bad they are. They're doing them in an incredibly calculated fashion. Um, whereas all of the politicians that come down from Queensland um, with their brains cooked by the sun and the humidity um, turned into a pile of hot stew, hot shepherd's pie in their skulls, um, those people don't seem to be in control of their faculties at all. They, they don't <laughs> even seem like they have the ability to tactfully hide the worst elements of the sorts of people no, that they they're are. Just, they're just blasting left, right and centre. Yep. Yep, it's just... Mostly right, sorry. The worst shit firing out of them at all hours of the day. So, if there's one thing we can agree, um, it's that the places that me and Lucy are aren't as bad as those. Mm, definitely. Mm. Unless someone yells at me online again for uh, apparently saying that no racists come from Victoria, in which case I did not say that. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> did not say that. So, um, so on that note, you know, it, it, it seems as though... The, the budget has just been delivered, which... It sure has. It's been delivered in a big smelly sack. we got to talk about the budget, apparently. Apparently, that's um, what this podcast is about. Apparently, the thing. <laughs> well, what I was going to say, like, besides, you know, some of the more odious stuff in the budget itself, um, it seems like the approach that this extremely unpopular government has taken is... We are just going to drag out being flogged at a publicly flogged at an election as long as we can. So they've been kind of mainlining money into things that they've just been pork barreling stuff. They've been, um, I feel like I've seen a lot of ads for government departments, which are like um, very, very clearly just advertising for the government itself yeah there's some mm. stuff with the like the australian tax office i believe that's, i've that's seen posted around where it's like we're making things simpler and easier uh, and everyone goes yeah i hate uh tax returns um well yeah they're, they're they're like doing these ads which are just for a government department that says the government is getting on with the business of cutting red tape and making things simpler for businesses to do which are like just a conservative government's talking points and then at the end they say the tax office and it's like why the fuck do you need to run an ad saying that there is no actual reason to do that beyond being yeah, pressed I mean, by the government to trump it literally their things. job to do whatever it is that is in the law so yeah and it's well it's one thing to say like for example to announce a specific thing to say hey we have completely changed the way tax returns work like when you know however long ago it was um, that they introduced like e-tax and doing your taxes online and that sort of stuff. I can imagine that being a thing that you would want to announce to the public at large and say, you now have a much, much simpler option of doing this that doesn't involve you having to go to an accountant and spend $500 or whatever. But they're not doing that. They're just saying, less red tape. Cool. Which is, yeah, just what Scott Morrison loves to say. So that all seems kind of bodgy to me. But, um, but yeah, I mean, so that's what we've had in the run-up to the budget as they refuse to announce an election. And then we've had the budget, which in turn seems to essentially be uh, the de facto launch of election campaigns for both parties. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's weird because, like you said, they, they refuse to launch an election. I think there was a lot of expectation about the election um, being announced this weekend, um, which has not happened um, as we stand on the 7th of April. Um, but... Uh, at this point, the election is likely to be the 18th or the 25th of May. So we're really like, we're not, we're not far away. This is, they really have to like start um, spinning things up on this. And the like you said, the budget is really their vehicle for, for, for doing it. And I feel like they've really narrowed down on 
um, of course, nothing that will, you know, legitimately help people or anything no. like that, but just simply things that are that are tax easy breaks. and digestible t- tax breaks. Um, Punishing the poor. Tax yeah, breaks for yeah. the middle class, which but for is the middle class richer than me. When will I and, be the middle class? <laughs> that, that's that's right. And I think like the way that you could describe the budget coming into it um, is that it is not. I think it should be said it's it's probably nowhere near as bad as the last budget as far as just spitting on the poor um, yeah. as being pointed out for the lower middle, budget from what middle class seen. that's right um, like in the last one there was just nothing for the lower middle middle classes and now we have just very very um, rudimentary very very kind of um, there was some like pharmaceutical benefits. Cheaper to go to the doctor type stuff, really. That's right. But they're trying to do two things at once, right? They're trying to provide tax relief, quote-unquote tax relief. It's always horse shit. Um, But, of course, the tax relief is going proportionally um, to the uh, higher higher end of town. Um, But they're also trying to push the message of being back in the black, right? And I'm sure we will talk a fair amount about this, right? Uh, Which... As well as its horseship, but if we take just for a moment these two things as being legitimately true, right? So if you take the in parallel tax cuts and being back in the black, the money therefore has to come from somewhere, and of course mm-hmm. the money, as always, is coming from social programs. Um, and so it's really a a bizarre, weird budget that's trying to be everything at once uh and of course it will be nothing because they're not going to get in yeah yeah which I, I do wonder with that sort of stuff how much um yeah how much would they sort of be calculating you know oh we can announce all of these types of measures or we can just say hey we're going to give everybody everything that they want on the assumption that they're not going to be re-elected and that they're not going to have to actually carry out any of those things. Yeah, I mean, all of these numbers in this budget are um, meaningless. I mean, as as um, kind of been pointed out by people that are much smarter than us. Um, it's all it's all like being a single family court dad and telling your kids, um, "Oh, look, if your mum would come and let you stay with yeah, me, yeah, we'd yeah. be going out for ice cream every night. We'd be eating pizza. You could stay up late." Yeah, but I was gonna buy the Nintendo sixty four, but. <laughs> It's not going to happen. Um, let me let me play us a small clip here, a very small clip of Scott Morrison, Prime Minister Scott Morrison, making very clear what your choices are at this election between a coalition government led by him or a Labour government led by Bill Shorten. <clears throat> you vote for Bill Shorten, you're guaranteed Bill Shorten. You vote for me, Scott Morrison as Prime Minister, you're guaranteed me. You vote for Bill Shorten? Just incredible stuff there. If you vote for Bill Shorten, you're guaranteed to get Bill Shorten. If you vote for me, Scott Morrison, you are guaranteed to get me. Just why would you say that knowing that you're, the whole country sees your party as ridiculous in terms of changing prime ministers? Like, you'd, you'd have to know the irony of what you're saying, right? Yeah, you are guaranteed to get this person. It's like you... you when literally you took get... the job from somebody else. Yeah, post-election. It doesn't even... <sighs> and of also, course... what that's... does that mean? Like, what does he mean, oh, you're guaranteed to get Bill Shorten? Well, well like, I think... It's... I think the majority at this point, the majority of um, the Liberal Party's ability to kind of campaign against um, Labour is simply... Bill Shorten is bad. Bill Shorten yeah. is bad and he wants to do lots of bad things. It's to the extent where like in um, in like uh, The Australian, they had a piece running from somebody who was like, Bill Shorten has a two-point plan to destroy Australia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and like I think Bill, Bill Shorten himself like tweeted a, a photo, like a screenshot of that article and was like, I don't remember putting this in our budget plan. <laughs> Bill like, Shorten will replace your wife with a union rep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, so it's it's kind of ridiculous because, you know, there was the front page of the Courier Mail, um, which is a, a Rupert Murdoch owned thing, and I think traditionally what kind of happened was that like Rupert Murdoch 
papers would would make a big thing of trying to like um pick the pick the winners of elections and back them so that they could then say either see we have some kind of influence over this or see we are always correct in our prognostications about this stuff um so that they could be seen to be you know correct and influential and that sort of stuff um they seem to have totally given up on that much more so than in previous years and have just gone whole hog on the on the pro-government propaganda Australia needs tony every year over and over again <laughs> iconic image so um so they have this front page let me paint you a picture if we can imagine if you will a big big green highway sign like you would see if you're driving around australia with budget 19 australia at crossroads there are two signs there is one above that says reward and it's pointing to the right uh indicating that you should go that way uh it says first surplus in 12 years biggest tax cuts since howard four billion dollars to get state moving queensland holds path to victory and underneath there's another sign pointing to the left and it's all rusty and shitty looking and it says risk uh, somebody has spray painted a dollar sign over the S. Somebody shot it four times for some reason. Yep. Somebody has shot some holes in it. Um, and it says, beware, oh, next to a Labour Party logo, beware left turn. $200 billion tax hazard ahead. Um, and then the lead on this says, budget back in the black and nation back on track. As Treasurer warns, Labour will slam brakes on economy. So they're really just just carry a mortar for the for the liberal party here and in a way which is which is very very literally just repeating the liberal party's talking points about the election uncritically and without any examination of the idea that the nation is back on track what the fuck does that mean like by by well by so many measures you know how many years has it been since the minimum wage has gone up how how you know, far out of whack with the, the cost of living uh, wages that don't mm. rise and housing prices are out of control in a lot of places and there aren't enough jobs for all the people applying for them and all those sorts of things. But apparently we're back on track, so it's all good. Also, um, how many years since a Labor government has been in? Right, so if they're saying they're back on track... Part you've of that, you've been running the show. You've for been a running long the time. show for almost a decade. What mm. do you, what, what do you think that means? What are you like? We've done shit for ten years, but now it's gonna be good again. Now it's this guy <laughs> and the other one. Well, this is the classic thing with liberal parties, though, is that uh, over the last decade is being in power um, and insisting that anything that's not going well is due to decisions previously made by the Labour Party. Right, the Labour fucked up the economy this. and we inherited it. Yeah, so even even like, you know, eight years after that point, they're still saying, oh, well, this thing's bad because of the Labour Party. It's Kevin Rudd. Kevin Rudd came in and he destroyed the economy and they've just never recovered. Those women came in and trashed the joint. Am I right? Mm. You remember that one? Classic. Right. Classic. But, uh, but yeah, so some very, very unapologetic, um, you know, carrying, carrying water for the Liberal Party there. I have a feeling that that's what we're going to see a great deal of during the election campaign. Um, and, and like I was saying before, we're even seeing stuff from before this point where they've essentially been doing, you know, de facto election campaigning as it is, including there's a piece uh, here that's former Greens MP. Was he an MP or a senator, Scott Ludlam? Senator. Former Greens senator, Scott Ludlam, uh, wrote a piece about the recent press conference that uh, Scott Morrison held on Christmas Island. And so this was the thing where, if you recall, I can't remember when or if we spoke about this, but basically um, with that whole Medivac bill thing, which we did talk about, the whole Medivac bill thing where the government insisted that if people were able to be airlifted from uh, a country where we are paying for people to be kept so that they can't apply for asylum in Australia, if people were to be airlifted from that country to like, um, you know, military hospitals or otherwise in Australia to get treatment that they can't get on that island, that all those people would come into the country and there would be a, a massive flow of... 
of um, asylum seekers via boat again and everything. And Scott Morrison announced, we're going to reopen Christmas Island, which had been closed, to cope with what will undoubtedly be a massive influx of refugees because of, um, you know, what Bill Shorten's saying he wants to do. So, they they put $180 million into upgrading a bunch of the security at Christmas Island. Um, and then the government paid to fly a whole bunch of journalists out there so that Scott Morrison could stand in front of the detention center and say, we're reopening this because Bill Shorten and Labor are bad and they want asylum seekers to come and rape your wife and take your job down at the dick sucking factory. <laughs> and then the reporters went home and reported on that and then they just closed Christmas Island again? Is that basically the essence of it? I think so. Uh, yeah, so they haven't included any of that money that they spent in the budget. They haven't included any money in the budget for keeping Christmas Island open. So clearly they never actually had any intention of like reopening the center and continuing to run it. 100% just a, a $180 million racist press conference. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of economic management I like to see. The liberals, they're good economic managers. That's why you got to vote for them. They're extremely good at it. They save all that money, of course, by um, never raising the new start allowance. 25 is, years. 25, 25 years, years, baby. Literally yep. the same amount of money for 25 years. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's indexed or whatever, isn't it? So they go, oh, we'll give you 50 more cents this year. Um, but they are giving people um, $1.50 a week to um, help with the energy cost burden. So there's, so I think the energy thing, so it's all wrapped up and sorted with a little bow on it. Um, but as I pointed out, initially that didn't apply to New Start recipients. So the people that, that most needed this pittance that shouldn't exist in the first place uh, would not receive it until a whole bunch of people yelled at them and then they went oh no uh, uh, they will so um, they're very much in control of the situation I think but there's tax breaks for people on there's fifty to $90,000 so you know yeah, who, who can say if it's good or absolutely. bad absolutely um, simultaneously they're, they're removing the um, topmost bra uh, tax bracket in 2024 uh, which will be nice so that if you're on uh, sorry, uh, sorry. This is the tax bracket between forty-five thousand and two hundred thousand. Uh, is being just all collapsed to thirty percent um, instead of people earning like one eighty, being on thirty-seven percent. So right. there's just gigantic tax breaks for the people in society that that need it the most. Uh, removal of uh, the progressiveness, whatever may be left over in our in our tax system, and just bring it all down so that the wealth will eventually trickle down to nobody. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, yeah, as we all know, that A, doesn't work at all, but like this is the shit that doesn't make any sense in terms of constantly being so focused on tax cuts because number one, like absolutely all evidence that is not provided from like an IPA type think tank shows that just doesn't do anything. That like none of the money ever moves downwards. It just gets hoarded. Um, and yeah, like when the country continues to grow, our population continues to get bigger, our infrastructure continues to age. So the best and smartest thing that you could do is to say, well, what if, get this guys, what if in five years, uh, we just got rid of like a third of the government's revenue? Yep. Sorted. Done. People love paying for roads themselves, I guess. <laughs> like, is that, I can't wait. Is that what the libertarians' world would be? Like, you just put in a fund for the road? I think the libertarians' world um, is like that story we saw in America where um, Domino's um, was sick of, like, all their drivers driving over potholes, so they got little crews to go out and fill up the potholes. I think they wow. just see that and then possibly just want to expand that to maybe the whole country. 
Yeah, I think I think the hardcore libertarian view of that sort of thing um, genuinely is like, you know, when you see libertarians online where like people talk about funding for schools and shit like that and they go, well, I don't have kids. So why should any of my money have to go to paying for schools? Mm. And I'm and not also, sick of this I exact moment. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I'm not sick right at this moment, so why should any of my money go towards, you know, paying for hospitals and shit like that? Um, with the obvious answer being, well, because we live in a society, if you would like to not get robbed by roving bandits of psychotic teens, maybe have schools for them and all that sort of shit. Um, but yeah, I think I think the libertarian theory is that you would you would live your life completely unmolested by... Uh, government interference and taxation and all that sort of stuff and that you would be so rich you would be so rich from living off of your big brain Mm. and and your individual um your individual merits and exceptionalism because obviously obviously all these people think that they would be you know billionaires from their innovative like um three-dimensional anime body pillow printing techniques well they're billionaires from their bitcoin investments which have now totally destroyed the fiat currency system um as expected as expected is there what the fuck was that noise i thought i could just hear a grandfather clock going on somewhere in this house that i'm in (laughs) what is that andrew do you do you smell toast (laughs) is there a pain in your right eye i always smell toast (laughs) Um, but yeah, I think I think the theory these people have is that if there was no such thing as government interference, taxation, regulations, and all that sort of stuff, that all of these people who all consider themselves massive geniuses because they're smart enough to be a libertarian, where you're a big dummy, uh, means they would all be millionaires, and they could choose how they distribute um, their massive wealth. That I think in all of these situations, all these people are assuming that they are very very successful. Um, custodians of their own future and all that right. sort of thing. And all the poor people and the homeless people who are very angry are not a problem, even though there's no money to pay for a police force. I, well, I guess you those, just have your own well, private security. Yeah, you can pay for your own private security and those people can just fucking die anyway because apparently they weren't, you know, they weren't ingenious enough. They didn't it's have anything of value to contribute to the world that they're living in. And you yourself will use your, your millions of dollars in... Um, body pillow income and Bitcoin investments to then, mm-hmm. if if you're like, well, I I only take one road um, to the to the local Mad Max style marketplace, um, so I will just personally pay to have that road done, and then I just won't go anywhere else. Right, but if if there's no funding for um, children's schools, where are the libertarians going to meet their girlfriends? Hmm. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <Just> some <asking> questions. <laughs> Yeah, if the government's not building uh, playgrounds in local areas, <laughs> then where are they going to drive by? The yeah, where are they going to drive by and ask them what they're what they're up to? Well, in a world with no police, there will also be no restraining orders. So and no well. age of consent. The key and and if you ask me, that's what the real problem is: these repressive laws about. Uh, my oh, my girlfriend's into really mature anime, so you know, shouldn't she be able to decide uh, which which forty year old which forty year old unemployed guy she dates? Anyway, <clears throat> anyway, back to other the budget. great news. So so like we were saying, the the budget has basically been the starter's pistol on the uh, on the election campaign, which has also still not been announced. I can't um, wait. There was a there was an article which um, kind of tickled my fancy. Uh, this week, which was, um, let me just hit you with this one. So, uh, Melissa Price, who is the environment minister, um, who seems like one of the most just, just incompetent dipshit motherfuckers out there politically. She's like so out of her depth and has been given a portfolio in which like the government clearly wishes they could just scrap the whole thing um so she's incredibly full of shit but um her department has uh has like a bunch of grants to give to local areas for you know environmental initiatives and stuff like that um and uh liberal mp chris cruther who uh, represents the electorate of Dunkley, um, 
so so her and Chris Kruther both uh, got together and made a series of videos in which they went around to um, and visited with groups in uh, Kruther's electorate of Dunkley and announced the tens of thousands of dollars that they were distributing to these local groups um, in Dunkley, which is an ultra-marginal electorate. And they posted all this online on his Facebook page saying, here we are to announce all these grants that we're giving to these local groups, tens of thousands of dollars each, here they are. Um, And a bunch of people went, that's weird because the applications for those grants haven't opened yet. Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) It's interesting. So, so, um, usually you apply for these things and they're judged on merit and... hmm. Then the money is well. The liberals out. love merit. The liberals love merit, but they probably just removed the red tape around that process and gone straight to the end result. Yeah, which is great. That's, uh, that's efficiency removing mm. red tape. Uh, so yes, yeah, so a liberal MP has announced tens of thousands of dollars worth of grants to community groups before applications have opened in emerged in Senate estimates. This is from the Sydney Morning Herald. Um, Labor Senator Christina Keneally on Thursday told the hearing that the Facebook page of Dunkley Liberal MP Chris Kruther in posts which have since been deleted said he Mm -hmm. and Environment Minister Melissa Price had announced grants of up to $20,000 to three groups under the Communities Environment Program. Uh, The $22 million program was announced in early March. However, officials from the Department of Environment and Energy told estimates that guidelines for the program have not been released and applications will not open until mid-year. Uh, The department's assistant secretary, Steve Costello, said that while MPs and candidates were consulting with their communities to determine which projects would be shortlisted for the grants, the program, quote, is not open for applications. There is no successful grant under that program because the money is not appropriated and there has been no application process, he said. Mr. Kruther retained the swinging electorate for the Liberals in 2016 with a tiny 1.4% margin but a redistribution means the seat is now notionally Labor and may be decided by a handful of votes. Liberal frontbencher Simon Birmingham told the hearing that Mr. Kruther was clearly indicating projects that he has committed to supporting in terms of getting grant applications. That's how that works, uh-huh. right? That's totally, that's totally how that works, is that um, when you are supporting a local group which would like to eventually apply for a grant when the applications are open, what I like to do is go down and announce the final figure that they absolutely will be receiving. Yeah, so what I would like to do is go and get in front of all the cameras and I can stand here um, next to the uh, the person receiving the grant and we can print out like a novelty-sized grant application and sort of stand behind that um, and just sort of like... You know, we can just get a, get a nice photo up with the grant application that comes before the judging process, that comes before the money going out, I think. Yeah. Very legit. That's all I'm saying. Um, whether he misworded his Facebook post in that instance, I don't know, Senator Birmingham said. Senator Keneally asked why Ms. Price somehow got herself in three videos announcing grants for a program in which the applications haven't even opened. Later, Senator Birmingham said he had been advised that in no way did the minister make any announcements or funding commitments herself in those videos were published. <laughs> oh, boy. So, I like to um, just, just totally leave someone else holding the bag. Um, this was followed up by... Uh, this was followed up by a, a post in which they were saying that, um, that the Prime Minister had been asked about this in Parliament. So the PM forced to defend MP who announced grants before applications opened. Labor asked the government in question time if it was appropriate to announce the awarding of funds when the program hadn't opened. Uh, Melissa Price said the government had not announced any money and the trip with Kruther related to, quote, expressions of interest for the program. And he had invited her, quote, to speak to a number of really good local community environment projects. But Labor's environment spokesman, Tony Burke, then read from a media release issued by Kruther, which quoted the minister and announced funding to four community groups in Dunkley. If no announcements under the program had been made, why does the minister appear with quotes in the, min- in the media release and is in videos with the announcement of $10,000 in Frankston, $7,500 in Boggy Creek, and $10,000 at Downs Estate, he said. Each of these announcements are accompanied by a video with the minister present. 
How can it be that she claims that none of it ever happened when she's quoted in the media release and is personally in the video? Price again said that the announcements related only to an expression of interest. The opposition leader, Bill Shorten, said, Prime Minister, your minister is saying one thing, the member of Dunkley is saying another. Who do you believe? Scott Morrison then said that he believed, quote, both members are passionate about the environment. <laughs> God damn. So, Oh, I, what a master. <laughs> true, true political wordsmith. Oh, very, very it's good. Like, and that's the end of that one. Yeah, just dusting his hands. <laughs> turning on finger pistols at everyone. Pew, pew, fucking nailed it. Oh, God damn. And like... I definitely think that something that's really come out of having all of this additional exposure for Scott Morrison is that he's really fucking bad at this. Oh, yeah. Anything that is not just that he cannot just explain away with like a single sentence slogan, he just totally fucks it. He just absolutely ruins it. Um, We do, of course, have another issue, which is... I think. Go on. Hold on. I think Lucy's gone. <laughs> I think. Man talk now. I think Lucy's Finally. gone. Trivia. Boys, 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 boys. Um, we could say what we've been thinking the whole time. <laughs> um, so here's. We have a bit of sad news. <clears throat> this is from the Sydney Morning Herald from Michael Coziol. Diabolically bad polling. Tony Abbott facing 12% swing against him to lose his seat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's it. Oh. You hate to see it, don't you? You hate to see it, folks. Um, so, from this piece, internal Liberal Party polling is, quote, diabolically bad for Tony Abbott in Warringah, according to senior Liberal sources, with the former Prime Minister facing a 12% swing that could sweep him out of his blue ribbon seat. But with Prime Minister Scott Morrison poised to call an election any day, the Liberal Party is increasingly confident of a positive or neutral result in New South Wales by regaining Malcolm Turnbull's old seat of Wentworth and even winning Lindsay from Labour in the western suburbs. Rocked by the disastrous state election loss last month, Labour hardheads now hope to hold steady on 24 federal seats in New South Wales. A Labour loss in Lindsay could be offset by victories in the south coast seat of Gilmore or the Strathfield seat of Reid. A very senior New South Wales Liberal source said that Wentworth Wentworth was, quote, looking good, and Liberal candidate Dave Sharma was tracking well, but the same source said polling was, quote, diabolically bad for Mr. Abbott in Warringah against independent challenger Zali Stegall. The former Prime Minister faces a swing of about 12% the size of his current margin. It should be noted that um, we we talked about Tony Abbott a couple of episodes ago in a piece which was like a it was a long read from the Sydney Morning Herald where someone sort of accompanied him on a weekend as he was going around doing his extremely weird campaigning mm-hmm. uh, you know where he just stands woodenly at the train station and confronts people as they get off <laughs> <laughs> I'm Tony Abbott it's, uh, it's the weirdest style of campaigning. Uh, if you follow his Twitter account, he posts all these pictures of like his campaigning and it's all literally just like him standing in the middle of the highway with a sign at dusk, you know? <laughs> like some kind of weird scarecrow out there. Just standing in the middle of a forest with his arms hanging limply directly <laughs> down. <laughs> just hoping someone comes by. Um, so... So, yeah, like the, the, some of the stuff that they talked about in that piece was that like, he, he basically doesn't think that like anti-liberal voters exist. He, he thinks that if somebody um, doesn't want to vote for the liberals, then they must have never voted for the liberals. And anybody who has ever like talked to him and disagreed with his position on policies is essentially, um, is essentially just an activist. Are you back, Lucy? Someone's just come on the line. Oh. This is... This is strange. Hmm. I'm going to ignore that. I'm going to ignore... I think the it's mis- safest to ignore <laughs> the, the stranger. Safest to ignore the ghost on the line. That's I'm sorry, fine. that is me. It's not a stranger. My incident just shit oh. itself, but I'm going to go to trivia. Just thought I'd make okay. sure my thing was uploaded. 
That'll be. We had already announced that um, that Lucy was gone, and it was time for boys chat. <laughs> <laughs> boys, boys. Um, are there any any words of wisdom you'd like to leave us with? Can you give um, me can some we words send of you wisdom? What's some trivia uh, I should know before I leave? That that the. the that the hit song Boom Shake the Room by DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince was released in 1993. We talked Got about it. this. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. No worries. Um, well, let us let us send you on your way with the collective positive energy of uh, the podcast and all of its beautiful listeners. Thank you so much. We would very much like you to win. Bring that trophy home. I will. I will bring that trophy home in $1,000. Bring... $500. Bring it... Imagine that I'm like the old Indian dude from uh, from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom saying, bring back, bring back to us. Bring back to us. Uh-huh. Voice, voice, voice. Bye. Bye. Um, so, yeah, Tony Abbott, extremely weird guy. All of his terrible polling um, basically doesn't believe that anybody who disagrees with him is real. Um... And like, what perplexes me about this whole thing? So in in that article, they're talking about Dave Sharma, who ran against Karen Phelps um, when former Prime Minister uh, Malcolm Turnbull uh, quit upon being turfed out as leader. He resigned from his seat, forced a by-election. Um, the, the local electorate just absolutely uh, stomped a mud hole, to use... Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin's parlance stomped a mud hole in the ass of the Liberal Party and installed local independent uh, Karen Phelps. Now, Karen Phelps is very much of the same mold as Zali Stegall, which is that people are acting like because she's an independent, she's some sort of, you know, progressive voice solely due to the fact that she, you know, acknowledges that climate change is a concern. But other than that, she's a rich lady. That's about it. She's a, she's a rich, rich white lady in a super rich electorate in one of the richest parts of Australia. Made a fortune off of chicken. <laughs> not. It's not true. Uh, Steggles is the chicken brand for Steggles any international chicken. listeners. Get yourself some Steggles chicken nuggies. Um, no, in fact, she, she is a former Olympian, a former Ol- Olympic-like ski jumper. Or some shit like that, um, but yeah, go and go and read Zali Stegall's um, Wikipedia page if you would like to get mad about somebody just being extremely rich and having one of the most privileged upbringings you can imagine of a family who decides to move to Switzerland so that their star daughter can spend more of her spare time ski jumping. You know that type of shit. Anyway, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> anyway, um, so so people like to act as though these independents are progressive or like particularly progressive, but they're not. They're, they're both just uh, rich ladies who thinks that tax rates should be lower. They just also acknowledge that climate change is real because well, um, they, don't, they don't want their hyper expensive coastal real estate getting swept away. And plus, if it becomes too hot, she's got nothing to ski on. How, who's she, what's she going to jump on? What's she going to ski on? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. Got to go back to the chicken money. And in both of these cases, what what kind of does my head in personally? And maybe maybe you've got like some kind of counter thought about this, Theo. Is in both of these cases you have Karen Phelps in Wentworth, which is which is again like a blue ribbon um, a blue ribbon liberal seat, which I think had been a liberal seat since Federation. Um, again, very 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 moneyed area. Um, as evidenced by Malcolm Turnbull, the the merchant banker living there in his big mansion. Um, you also have Tony Abbott's seat, which is also a well, you know one of the expanses of coastal New South Wales with some of the most expensive real estate in the country. And more so in the case of Tony Abbott, you have a person where finally his local electorate is fed up enough with the fact that he just you know has has completely evidence that he has no intention of representing his electorate's interests on a federal level or he hasn't been pressed to do so in any way in decades he 
he just goes out there and says, we should build more coal power stations. And I don't believe that climate change exists. And uh, gay people are the same as pedophiles. And just all the sorts of great positions that you would like. So, in this long read, they were talking about how local groups had had been starting to get together and say, hey, um, we're fucking sick of this guy. He's a clown. He makes us all look terrible and he doesn't care about representing our interests at all. And for a lot of people, this culminated in Australia's postal survey on same-sex marriage, where Tony Abbott's electorate recorded a yes vote of 75%, which, apart from being one of the highest in the country, is also just a, a... an absolutely crystal clear majority of people in your electorate saying, this is what we want this to be. Mm-hmm. So Tony Abbott, after saying all through his horrible campaigning about this stuff, that, you know, they were approaching it in good faith and whatever the outcome was, members would go and they would vote in favor of what their electorate said. And then him and Scott Morrison and a bunch of other people just abstained from voting rather than voting according to what their own electorate had said. He just walked out of the chamber rather than having his name against a yes vote in the history books. So apparently that was the point at which it was kind of the the breaking point for a lot of people in that electorate is that that was clearly a thing that a lot of people there felt passionately about and in the end their voices didn't count for anything. You know? Majority of people in that electorate said this is what we really want. And their elected representative went in there and recorded no vote. Um, So they didn't even get to have a say in the end. So all these people are sick of this. There's a whole bunch of anti-Tony Abbott um, sentiment in that area. There's groups like selling, um, you know, vote Tony out t-shirts and tote bags. And people are getting this kid all around in the electorate. Which, you know, as far as sentiment goes, shows you that it's not even about people being super excited about someone else. They're excited about just getting him the fuck out of there. They care more about getting rid of him than they do about whoever it is that's replacing him. Yeah. And the thing that gets me the most is, why are all these people in these electorates kind of only just realizing this is a thing you can do? Tony Abbott has been the member there for like 25 years or more. He's done fucking nothing for anyone there the whole time. By all accounts, the entire time, he has been a, an absolutely rabid culture warrior who has only ever been interested in putting his own views forward and seemingly has absolutely no interest in what the people in that electorate think. And so now that this has happened with Karen Phelps, all of a sudden, all these people are saying, yeah, yeah, we should be getting, you know, smart independents to run so that we can vote for somebody who isn't this person. It's like, did you guys just fucking figure out that you can do this? Can I, can I offer two opinions on this then? Absolutely. So, number one, oh, I, I believe that the, the people in these, in these electorates are largely people who spend about four hours each morning checking their blue chips. Mm-hmm. And going, ah, oh, my blue chips are down. Um, every my day, chips. my bl- my blue chips they're going they're going down. Um, and as far as they're concerned, the Liberal government has done well for their blue chips, right? They've gotten more chips um, than they had under under Labor, right? So it's good to have more blue chips. Um, and that by itself, just solely as a reason, put that in a black box. Don't worry about schools. Don't worry about roads. Don't worry about hospitals. Right? Blue chips go up. Um, for them is such a large issue. It's such a predominant issue that their, um, you know, 1980s um, stockbroker reptile brains uh, are so uh, barnacled onto that it overrides everything. And, And only now, right, has it sort of started to become clear that perhaps... There are other things that exist, uh, such as the world, which is rapidly becoming an uninhabitable hell world, right? So, yes, I believe that the um, that they probably should have done this this long ago, but perhaps the impetus 
wasn't fully there to push them over the line to go, oh, this is actually absolute chaos, right? Like, because I, th- I think now what we're seeing from the Morrison government in particular, and perhaps not just from the from the Abbott government, you know, I don't, maybe this this swing wouldn't have happened if Tony Abbott was still in. Um, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure, but um, I think now even um, even the most blue chip devoted um, person would be of the opinion that uh, the coalition government is absolute chaos and it's not getting better it's only it's only getting worse well, um, and, and the nothing nothing that happens is happening by any kind of design that's right they can't vote for labor you know of course so here is you know um former olympics skier and chicken magnet um <laughs> but but second of all my second point is what, what the takeaway from this should be for the Liberal Party is that seat should be theirs to hold for the next 30 years that society exists, right? Like, that shouldn't... This shouldn't be going to an independent. This should be a Liberal seat um, for, the, for the rest of human history, right? And it's only by their absolute insane ideological causes... Um, and devotion to, like you said, the the um, culture wariness of it all, that they are losing this seat. They shouldn't be losing this seat, right? This this should be a Liberal Party seat forever, and that's what it's come to, I believe, that um, they are so bad that they are losing these seats. Yeah, I think um, I think that that is very valid and. Like uh, I, th- I think you can kind of see the, you can kind of see this government tearing at the seams. Like especially the coalition, you can see the coalition starting to tear at the seams. Which yes. is they've invested so deeply in all of their like very right wing culture war stuff. You you still have this big right wing of the party that is convinced that the only way for this government to win is the base the mythical base mm-hmm. which is um you know like uh, religious um, very right wing stuff um anti-environmental stuff anti anti-science anti-science anti-environment anti anti-intellectual it's very much like trying to push for a lot of the same lines that the that the republicans have been going down in the states for decades just mm-hmm. the just the pure like rhetoric of anti-intellectual anti-intellectual anti-elite um anti-academic all of this sort of stuff so that kind of doesn't matter you know where something's coming from or or why it's coming from there or any of that or what what the end result is supposed to be if it is being proffered by any particular source they are against it so there's that whole factor of it but also they are so obsessed with all of that stuff that like you're saying they have these electorates in inner cities in like like you saw how they got wiped out at the victorian election Mm -hmm. um but you have these electorates in inner cities in um you know these these blue ribbon seats uh, in New South Wales, places like that, where, like you said, th- these are people who want economically, um, fiscally responsible, read, you know, cutting taxes and um, and cutting social services kind of stuff. That's what these people want. But they don't want all of the wingnut stuff that goes along with it. Yeah. They don't want all of the all of the super homophobic stuff and all of the super transphobic stuff and all of the really regressive reactive stuff. So there's a lot of people there who are, like you said, getting to the point where they're just saying, I just can't vote for this anymore. I just can't in any kind of good conscience vote for this anymore. You also get the people looking at it and saying, well, if you're meant to be the family values party, um, then what's with, you know, Barnaby Joyce having his affairs and like all of all of that kind of stuff, all of the examples of generally abhorrent behavior from the most senior people in the party anyway. And then you look at the junior party in the coalition, the Nationals, and they are finally at a point where all of the people in like rural electorates are looking at it and saying, well, we vote for, we vote for the Nationals, the Nationals prop up the Liberal Party vote, and the Liberal Party never does anything for rural areas. Uh, the entire thing is either 
the Nationals rolling over to whatever it is that the Liberals want them to do, or the other half of the time, it's the Nationals rolling over in favour of, like, irrigators and miners and, um, and like, Gina Reinhart and giving all of the, the richest people who've made their money off breaking the backs of farmers and miners and people who work in country towns. It's just giving those people whatever they want. So all of those people, all of all of that massive group that has traditionally kind of propped up the coalition vote is just deserting them now. They're all often voting for One Nation and Bob Catter and Clive Palmer and like the Fishers and Shooters Party and every fucking wingnut group that is popping up out there now because all of those people are just an alternative to them. They're all people who are saying, oh, well, we're all still nominally right wing, but we're not. We're not the big institution that has been putting our boot on your neck for the last 20 years. Yeah. And and also we're slightly more racist. So you might find a good spot here and all they have to kind of and the coalition kind of looks at that and go, well, we got to get more racist. We're we're a little bit less shy about the racism. Mm. Yeah. And so. You know, I mean, it, it's. I, I genuinely think it'll be really interesting to see what happens because it certainly seems that by all accounts, there is a whole section of the, the core of the Liberal Party, the right wing of the Liberal Party, that every time that there is another election where they get absolutely curb stomped for their super weird right wing fixations and fetishes, that they say, oh, well, that's just, that's just evidence that we didn't go far enough. Mm-hmm. That's evidence that we weren't being right-wing enough. We weren't being, you know, reactive and conservative enough and we need to double down and go even harder. And that hasn't been working for them. Every, every, every election, they go harder on it and they lose more votes and then they go harder on it and then they lose even more votes. It's very, you know, circling back to that Tony Abbott piece where you know they were talking about the polling his polling being a 12 percent margin it was like 17 percent of the last election he had a five percent swing against him but he doesn't look at that and say where did those votes go to him it's fine he won that's activism He's correct. it's just it's just all activism you know and he says in that long read piece when they talk to him about you know, disaffected liberal voters who finally want to vote against the liberals for the first time. And he says, nope, those people were never liberal voters. They're all, they're all just people who are, you know, dissenters and activists and everything. In his mind, there is no conceivable reason that a citizen could disagree with him about policy. So anyone who disagrees with him is automatically an activist. Hmm. But he's not asking any questions about where is this where is this you know discontent coming from why is the core of of this electorate that i've held so strongly for so long why is it just continually eroding is there anything that's a problem is there anything i should change no it's all just double down and go even harder so i guess it'll be really interesting to see what will happen because within the liberal party itself there is over the last i don't know what five six years there has been this constant push and pull between the more moderate wing that wants to say we need to sell ourselves to the center of australia which is where where the votes are generally speaking um versus the other one saying we we need to push even harder for this mythical base so you know if they if they lose the election there's going to be massive gnashing of teeth and wailing and trying to figure out what happened between the quote-unquote moderates and the right wing oh it's going to be a bloodbath but then it- by, the, by the same token i mean look at the the new south wales election the the labor party didn't win like they were expecting to and the the liberals got back in but the nationals got fucking trashed the Nationals had like 10 or 15% swings against them oh, absolutely. everywhere. And that is apparently giving a whole bunch of them uh, feverish nightmares because they're now extrapolating this to a national scale, which would, I, I guess, theoretically come close to wiping the party out. So the, the big question is, mm. what's going to happen? Will there be a split between the Nationals and, and the Liberal Party? Will there be a split within the Liberal Party itself? 
because the one thing that they have not been able to show over the last 10 years is any ability to hold it together in any kind of way and all move together in one direction. Yeah. It's so, a it's a coalition in sort of name only, especially in the last couple of couple of years. So um so we'll I think the moral happens. of the story is if you see a, a wild Tony Abbott on the street just <laughs> thinking about, do not give him an onion because he will lose the skills to hunt for himself. It's very true. It's very true, folks. So um there you go. That's kind of that's kind of our take on where we are approaching this election. Maybe within the next week or so one will be announced. It's very hard to tell whether they're trying to go for a long election campaign and drag it out or make it short so they have as little time as possible to keep fucking up absolutely everything like they do. Um, So we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, As always, folks, if you have enjoyed the show and would like to support us and would like to get an extra bonus episode every week, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash Punta Vista and... you know, then we'll, we'll see you in the bonus zone where we do our bonus episodes. Um, but until then, we'll see you next week. Thanks for being with us. And bye-bye. Bye. Bye.